Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. For the last uh, two weeks, we have been uh, opening the Bible to some uh, accounts of the life and ministry and teaching of our Lord Jesus uh, to see what he said about uh, a, pra- a command and a gift and a practice uh, that he has given uh, to us to make life better. Uh, we're calling it your best day of the week. Your best day of the week. And basically this has been one sermon that's taken three weeks to, to unload. And uh, hopefully we're going to get there uh, today. On, on the screen I want you to see uh, what comprises the Sabbath. It is three things all rolled into one. It is, first of all, a command to obey. It is a gift to enjoy. It is a habit to practice. It is a command of God to obey. It is a gift of God to you and me to receive and enjoy. And it is a habit for us to practice. All this rolled into one. It is a command. It is a gift. It is a habit. And so we started uh, our study, as I've said, uh, to try to understand the benefits of practicing Sabbath rest uh, by the examples of of Jesus. Last week I looked at three passages, uh, really two uh, stories out of uh, uh, one passage, Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. We went to Mark chapter 2. We find Matthew chapter 12. Three out of the four writers of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, three out of the four were inspired by God's Holy Spirit to, to each write an account of these happenings, of Jesus uh, uh, encountering um, uh, some people who needed to learn about Sabbath rest and what He said and what He did to affect us. It, evidently, it was such a big deal that, that God put it in the Bible three times. He wanted me and you to get it, to, uh, uh, to understand it. And so our first instructions on what we're calling, again, this may be a new term to some of you, Sabbath rest, the keeping of uh, a Sabbath day as God designed. Sometimes we call it here a God-designed day off. Not just a day off, but a God-designed uh, day off. We learned from the passages that I mentioned last week, Luke chapter 6, Mark chapter 2, Matthew chapter 12, that we are first of all to avoid legalism. Uh, I, I gave you a term called, I said it this way, we are to avoid the over-observance of uh, the Sabbath rest day. Uh, uh, an out-of-control, over-the-top that got over into legalism, avoiding uh, legalism, and that Jesus gave us two practices in the Sabbath that would help us guard from falling over into legalism. One is that we joyfully take care of the practical needs of everyday life on the on our day of Sabbath rest. And number two, we serve people who need help on our Sabbath day of rest. So those are, those are uh, fences that keep us from stepping over into legalism and an over-observance, an unhealthy way of observing the Sabbath rest, a, 
uh, of turning something that God made to be good into something that was actually destructive, that to turn keep us from turning something that is intended to be life-giving into something that actually sucks the very life uh, out of us. And so uh, uh, today, the first thing I want you to understand is this. Here, here in the Dogwood Church family, uh, I know we have guests here today, and some of you are first, second, third timers. You may not know this yet, but let me just speak to those of you who are in the Dogwood Church family. Our problem is not legalism. Okay, we, we spent all that time last week avoiding it. We do a darn good job of avoiding legalism here. That's not, that is not our problem. We do not over-observe the Sabbath and become legalistic, typically as a people who are members of this church. Now, maybe in generations past, uh, certainly in some segments of our society, we do that. But our greatest problem is not legalism. Here's ours. Our problem is the total neglect of Sabbath rest. That's our problem. That's where we go. That's where we drift. Uh, as, a, as a church family, generally speaking, uh, that's, uh, as I observe it, I see that. Rather than, than, quote, worshiping on the wrong day, we don't worship at all. We, we can, some of us in our church family and in our community here, I say, can go weeks and we can just skip weeks at a time and never enter into either personal, individual worship of God or gathering corporately as a church family. Rather than resting on the wrong day in the wrong way, we don't rest at all. Uh, rather than setting aside a, a, a wrong day, we set aside no day at all. And now remember, we, we define the Sabbath practice, as Jesus did, of, of picking a... every day. Jesus defined, he updated our theology. He said, every day is holy to the Lord. Every day. And so he said, you pick one, but every seven days, take a God-designed day off. Rather than doing uh, picking a, a bad day or the wrong day, we don't pick any day at all. And we suffer the consequences. And I hear it from you. Here's, what I hear, here's how I hear uh, you describe yourselves frequently. You say I'm, words like, I am burnt out. Uh, I, am, I am addicted to work. I'm, I'm into workaholism. I'm addicted to the adrenaline rush of always being driven, always having a heavy schedule, always having multiple things to do. Uh, loss of purpose, loss of meaning, uh, loss of direction in our lives. We move into a joyless experience, uh, existence of just going through the motions. Pastor, I just go through the motions day in and day out. I hear this from you guys. I hear it from people all the time. And without Sabbath rest, as God defines it here, there can be little peace in our lives. There can be little direction or order or perspective in life in any human being. And you're no exception and I'm no exception. Uh, this is a lesson we must need to learn. So our problem's not legalism here. Our problem is total neglect of the practice of Sabbath rest. The second thing, so I want you to understand, is this today. I want you to understand what Sabbath rest actually is. And let me begin by defining it by what it's not. It is not, you ready for this? Amusement. It is not amusement. It is not entertainment. Uh, even though we like to be abused, we like to be entertained, that's fine. 
But Sabbath rest is not amusement. I mean, why, why is it that when we have so much in our culture, and especially here in the Magic Kingdom of Fayette and Coweta County in South Fulton County, uh, that we have so much leisure and we have, uh, many of us have a little bit of discretionary income. We can, we can uh, uh, you know, we've got time and means to do things. Why is there so much exhaustion and fatigue, emotional exhaustion, mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion, relational exhaustion? Spiritually out of gas. Why is that the case? And why are we stressed out? It's because we no longer understand and no longer practice this command, this gift, this habit that God has given to you and to me. Our problem is that we have substituted amusement for rest. Now, J.B. Phillips, the great New Testament scholar, in his translation of the New Testament in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he said this, Don't let the world or don't let the culture press you into its mold. Yet that is precisely what we've done at this point. We decided that chasing thrills and chills and fun fixes is it. It's it, and so we, we pursue it. We pursue it. Half of our congregation and half of our community just spent a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of time here on winter break going after thrills and chills and fun fixes, and, and you know, some of you showing up looking a little tired today. Wow, what happened? What happened? You know, I, hey, I'm for fun. I actually majored in fun in college. No, I really did. I really did. My, my bachelor's degree is in municipal recreation. You know that? That's why I'm such an intellectual. And so, uh, but really, it's right. Come to my office. It's right there on the wall. I thought, I thought, you know, I might be a city recreation uh, director, and God then called me into ministry. I mean, I majored in fun in, in college. So I'm for fun. I'm for fun. But amusement and rest are not the same things. We spend our days off rushing to soccer games and this event and that event, and we get to the end of the day, and we're in some kind of spiritual frenzy. I remember when I was getting ready for this talk, I, I mentioned it to Allison. I remembered the day when our girls were still home, and they were little girls, uh, elementary age, just age enough to enjoy a theme park. We, we uh, went with one of the members of our church family. Their girls were the same ages as ours, and we went for a fun day at Six Flags Over Georgia. And we did. We had a fun day with the kids. We did all the rides and the whole thing. And, uh, but but I, I remember the scene of about 9.45 getting in the car and getting them all in the car in the parking lot and started trying to get out of the Six Flags parking lot, getting in line with all those people ready to get onto the crowded freeway to work our way, way home. Do you think that I was charged and refreshed and ready to charge hell with an empty water pistol and save the world the next day? I was not. And as I looked around at those people in the cars d- waiting to get in line, I, said, I was looking at them and said, do they look refreshed and renewed at the end of this day? Mm-mm. No. And they were looking at me saying, look at that poor old man. He looks tired. He was tired. No, we've substituted amusement for renewal. Okay, here, here's a comparison. Amusement 
is to Sabbath rest what cotton candy is to real food, real nourishment. I mean, take a look at cotton candy for a second. Cotton candy's it you know, smells good, it looks fun, it looks big, it looks filling, looks like it would, would be good, but as soon as you put it in your mouth, it disappears. It just it disappears and it le- and if you eat the whole thing, it, it leaves you with this sweet, sticky, kind of sick, riched out feeling, you know, in your stomach and on your face and on your on your hands. Um, not so good. You know, amusement does the same. I mean, it looks good, it looks fun, it, it is, but if we're substituting that for Sabbath rest, it just leaves us with kind of worn out, sticky, overly sweet uh, lives. It leaves us undernourished and sometimes leaves our lives in a sticky mess. Sabbath rest is refreshment. It is renewal. Uh, look at Exodus chapter 31 verse 17. The scriptures say it this way, on the seventh day, God rested and was refreshed. Now, God doesn't get tired. He doesn't need to be refreshed, but he did it for us to model for us one of his guidelines to living at its finest. This, and this rest is not luxury. It is not a luxury. It is a necessity. It is a necessity. Uh, Pastor Gordon McDonald wrote these words. He said, Sabbath rest penetrates to the deepest levels of fatigue on the inner private world. This fatigue is rarely touched by any of the modern amusements. So, uh, Sabbath rest is not amusement. It's rest and refreshment. And so you might be asking, then, okay, pastor, we've been talking about this now for two and a half sermons. Uh, What do I actually do on a God-designed day off. What do I actually do on on a day of Sabbath rest according to the Lord Jesus? Well, here we go. I'm going to give you four things. Now, first of all, you could just sum it up by saying you do nothing that you don't want to do except obey God. Except obey. I mean, Sabbath rest, remember, means inter, Sabbath means, the word means intermission. It means turn off. It means take a break. Take a break. Uh, the great um, theologian and, and philosopher, really, Dallas Willard, in some of his writings, uh, said it this way. Uh, he basically said that uh, let there be nothing that has to be accomplished on your day of Sabbath rest. I mean, you can do some things, but let there be nothing that has to be done habitually. That sounds like a pretty good day. Best day of the week, God says. So, but let me, with that in mind, in that spirit, let me give you four insights from the scriptures on what you do on your day of Sabbath rest. Now, again, for most of you in the Dogwood Church family, Sundays are going to be generally your best day of the week because most of you don't have to work on Sundays. Many of us do have to work on Sundays. Many of us work weekends. I work weekends. And so, you know, our staff works weekends. You, some of you will be leaving here and going to work. I understand that. So this may not be the best deal. But for many of you, Sunday's good. And so this first thing would help you. We, we do four things. We look up, we look back, we look forward, we look around. Let's talk about the first one. 
The first thing you do on your Sabbath day is to look up. We look up. That means we look up to God and spend some time in worship. Now, you're doing that. You're doing that here. We've gathered here uh, together as a church family to obey God and honor Him in worship. But for some of you, your Sabbath day may be another day. What you do is you spend some of your time in your personal quiet time in the worship of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Look at Exodus chapter 31, verse 15. God says, Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day there must be a Sabbath of complete rest, dedicated to the Lord. Underline that phrase, dedicated to the Lord. It it speaks of this action of, of worship. You'll find that. True rest and renewal and refreshment happens when you and I hit the brakes, hit the pause button, and turn our eyes and our minds and our hearts, even our physical bodies, to the Lord Jesus in in worship. Uh, We interrupt our weekly routine for a, a day where we intentionally have a little extra time to look up to God in worship. And we remember Him. We remember Him. And we see that He sorts out the the truths and the commitments by which we are living. And so we consciously give thanks to Him. We consciously praise Him. Uh, Jesus, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Sustainer, our Lord, our God. Um, And and He brings perspective to our lives. Some of you heard me tell this story before. One of the first homes, second home that Allison and I purchased uh, was was an older home. One of the... uh, First homes, it was kind of built when cedar siding became the rage. And it was in the cedar siding, uh, Jay, it was not the best materials in the world. It was some of that old first rough cut stuff. And so uh, we were still proud to have the home. But one day after we'd been in it about a year, I was out in the uh, working in the yard and kind of just checking things out on the house. And I noticed that the nails were beginning to kind of work their way out of the siding. Some of you had some of those old homes with that kind of siding. And, you know, it was just the nature of the, of the wood. And so a, a wise old carpenter said, well, it's, no big, it's not a problem, Keith. Here's what you do. You just about once a year get a ladder and a hammer and work your way around, just work your way around the house and just repound the nails, reset the nails. Well, imagine God doing, for that, doing that for us in, uh, in worship, when we gather, whether it's in your daily, in your quiet time alone with God or gathering in a corporate worship service like this with your church family, when we gather before God, He repounds into our souls what the, the truths and the conviction of His Word. When we say, Lord, I believe in You, I worship You, I serve You, uh, You and Your Word are where my perspective and direction for life and living uh, come from. We are, we are, he is hammering back into our souls these convictions and firming up our commitments and perspective. When we sing the spiritual songs like we just sang in our services and pray the prayers, perspective and purpose, the perspectives and purposes of God are hammered back into our hearts. They are reaffirmed. They are reestablished. Clarity comes once again. We need clarity every seven days. 
Uh, We need it every seven days. We remember His strength. We remember His love. We remember His wisdom and companionship, His supervision, His presence in our lives, and it leaves us a different and better person. He says, so when you got your, when every seven days, spend a little extra time with me looking up. Look up. Look up to me. A little time in worship. Because, listen, guys, for more, for approximately 160 hours a week, you and I are bombarded with a constant barrage of deceptive, in uh, in error, profane, Creeds and slogans and jingles and values uh, that come from every direction in our culture. Voices shouting to us, songs being sung to us, television shows. We're going to have a whole evening dedicated to this garbage tonight. We are. We are. Celebrating what should not be celebrated and criticizing and condemning what should be lifted up is holy. And, but it's not just tonight. It happens all the time. So, And when we do that, by the end of every six days, we, we can get a little fuzzy in our convictions. We can get a little unclear about what matters and to whom we come from and to whom we belong and why we're on this earth and what really matters and how we are to live our lives. And when, But yet when we have that gift from God, that command of God, that practice of God of looking, coming, setting aside a day and looking up as part of that day to Him in worship. He clears the fog out of the room. He clears the fog out of the room. And so God says, you need to come together regularly with me to worship, to remember who I am. Because as the old hymn says, there's an old hymn that says, prone prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're prone to that. He says, oh, hit the brakes, come back. Come back. We need Sabbath. It is I, he says, who gives you meaning. So he says, every seven days, close up shop and and gather together and worship me. If it's on a Sunday, good. It's even better to do it with your, your church family. So friends, don't take that commandment lightly. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 10, God says, Do not neglect the gathering of yourselves together to honor me in worship as is the habit of some. And so if you're a member of Dogwood Church, we unapologetically ask, you made a commitment to gather regularly. And we expect you here. And if you're not here, we think something's wrong. And so does God. So don't let every other little thing interrupt your corporate worship. If the weather's bad... You have clothes, you have umbrellas, you have cars. You can drive up and get out at the front door. We'll pay the bills. We'll keep the roof on this place. Don't let a little weather keep you from gathering together to honor God in worship. And by all means, don't habitually make commitments that keep you away from the worship of God, you and your family and your kids. So my kids won't get to play ball if we don't do this traveling thing. Well, y'all are big grown-up people. Create a whole nother league. Don't let the world press you into its mold. So don't make a big deal about that, Pastor. Well, then let me just, we've been around here long enough. Talk to some of us who raised our kids where we habitually, three months out of the year, kept them out of worship for some other activity. Now they're grown and you're young adults. Ask us how they're doing. 
spiritual. And I quit preaching and gone to meddling now. So anyway, here we go. So we spent some time looking up. And so on the Sabbath day, we also, number two, spend some time looking back. We look back. We spend some time in evaluation. Look at what God did Himself in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 31. God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. By the seventh day... God completed His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it He rested from His work of creation. Again, God did not need to rest. He doesn't get tired. But here's what He modeled for you and me. When He finished all His work, He took a day. Here's what He did. He looked back on the previous six days. Of all of His activity... And all that he had done. He enjoyed its completed appearance and he reflected on its meaning. We do the same thing. And let part of your day be looking back. Look back at your activity. Look back at your relationships. Look back at at your work, the work that God has given your hands to do over the past six days and say, now, Lord, now why did I do these things? And for whom did I do these things? And what was my expected... uh, Uh, outcome and what happened and why did that happen and what did you do and what was important and what mattered and we let God press meaning into our past week. This work, this relationships, these activities um, that we uh, did. You see, living in the fast lane, living in the fast lane robs us from the ability to ask the question, what is all this for? And we, and we need time to get before God and say, now, now what, what was all this for? What, what? And He'll answer. And He provides perspective. And He provides depth. And He provides meaning for you and me. And so when we take a day of Sabbath rest, we take a little time and look back and let God press meaning into our past six days. We look up in worship, we look back in evaluation. Third, jot this down. We look forward for guidance. We spend some time getting God's guidance for our week. Let me change that a little bit. Maybe it's just for the next day or the next week or the next month or the next year. But we seek His His uh guidance. What we do in a, in a very biblical Christian sense here is we affirm our intentions before our Lord and our God to pursue a Christ-centered future. And we let Him center that in, in all realms of our life. We ponder where we are headed the next day, week, month, year, and so forth. General George Patton was known for a lot of things. One of the things that he was known for, he was famous among his men by requiring them to always be able to articulate their mission clearly. What's your mission? What is your mission? Can you articulate it clearly in a sentence or two? At best, a paragraph? 
My life mission is to know, love, serve, and enjoy Jesus Christ and to be used by Him uh, to make more and better followers of Christ who love Him and love people through a local church, to love my family and meet all their needs and to lead them to pursue the same life mission. That's my mission. They wouldn't come up with that over the last 45 years as I spent time uh, obeying the command, enjoying the gift, practicing the habit of every seven days at least getting before God and part of that day saying, now what are my marching orders? Why would you put me here? What's the best use of my one and only life? Because this is your one and only life. This is it. This is not dress rehearsal. This is it. And he has, he has, uh, he kept you here for a reason. He has a, you are not an accident. He knows your name. He created, he shaped you for a mission in this world. Do you know your mission? Well, so how do I find out? Well, you start, here's a, here's a novel idea. Ask him. And ask and keep on asking and set inside time and keep on listening and crafting and, and over time he will bring clarity to you. This is one of the th- one of the things that happens when we practice Sabbath rest. We take a hard look at our mission and we get our marching orders. Listen to these passages. Psalm thirty seven, four and five. It's on the screen. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. Now what that means is that He will place in your heart the right desires. It doesn't mean delight yourself in the Lord and then He'll give you anything that you ask for. No, it means that He will change your wanter. That's why He he changes your wanter. That's why Martin Luther, the great reformer, when somebody said, what should I do? He said, love God and do as you wish. Genius theology. You love God and do as you wish because if you love God, He changes your wishes to align with His. So take delight in the Lord and He'll give you your your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Look at this next one. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about Him in all your ways and He will guide you on the right paths. Here's a good one. I love this one. 2 Chronicles 18.4. First, please ask what the Lord's will is. Please do that. And then finally, uh, in, in Psalm 32 verse 8, God says to this to you and me, His children, if you're His child, if He is your shepherd, if He is your God, if He is your Savior, then He promises this to you. Not to anybody, just to anybody on the planet. This is in the context of His people who are following Him. He said, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye upon you, I will give you counsel. I upon you, I'll give you counsel. So, so why in heaven's name with all of this, these promises of God and with all of this grace and counsel of Jesus Christ that is available to you, would you continue to ignore the practice of Sabbath rest? Continue choosing to live in darkness. Bumping your head, keep bumping your head on the same rock all the time because you never get God's uh, direction. And he said, if you will practice this, take a little time, to look forward and ask for my guidance. I'll give it to you. He will give it to you. 
So we look up in worship, we look back in evaluation, we look forward for guidance, and fourth, we spend some time on our Sabbath day of rest looking around. Looking around at the people and the blessings and the grace that God has given us to enjoy. A Sabbath day is a day of celebration. It's a day of celebration. So think, who are the people that most refresh you? That you, When you're with them, you leave, you say, oh, that was, oh, they're just like a breath of fresh air, a cool drink of water. Uh, they, they, they lift your spirits and put a smile on your face and a song in your heart, and you just... It's just good to be around them. Well, spend some of your family, your friends, people who are important, your faith family, your people in your life group. Uh, well, then spend some time with those people and look around at the things that God's given you, the blessings of the day to enjoy. Because he says in the scriptures, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. There should be some enjoyment on the, on the Sabbath. What do you do that, that refreshes you? Uh, for some of you, it's a, I get to take a nap. Take one with, with guilt-free. Take a nap. Some of you say, I love to take a walk. Well, take a walk. We live in this beautiful place down here. Get a, Walk around the lake. Uh, what is it you like to do? We, Allison and I have an acquaintance in our lives. When you ask this, he's another pastor. When you ask him, what does he really like to do? He says, nothing. No, not nothing, nothing. Nothing. And then he always finishes it with a sentence. Nothing is something to me. So for some of you, nothing. This is great. I don't have to do anything. And so do nothing. Do nothing. Uh, For some of you, it's ice cream. How about that? You know, I mean, it's a feast day. Find some good food and eat it. My my little uh, grandmother... And grandfather were poor as a snake. He, she was raising a bunch of kids in a little mill village house. And granddaddy was working at the cotton mill in Piedmont, Alabama, and just barely making enough to, to, to stay alive. But on Sunday, she said, we're going for ice cream. She called it, uh, there was a little store, general store, out between Piedmont, Alabama and Gadsden, Alabama, called Kaler's. And she'd say, Oliver, that was my grandfather, Oliver, let's go to Kaler's for a cream. Pretty good. Pretty good. I wonder where the ice cream is today. Anybody know? I bet you do. Go get some. Go get some. You know, get good food, good friends, good experience. Look around. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. That needs to be a part of your Sabbath day. Do what refreshes you. Now, I hesitate to give too many examples because of what to do or not to do because we, turn, we want to turn it into legalistic things. You know, again, we're just goofed up. We need God's help. That's why we need to practice the, the Sabbath. But look up to God in worship. Look back with God and let Him press meaning into your past activities and relationships of the last week. Look forward and get His guidance. And then look around and enjoy the blessings of His grace. And He will use that to turn you in, not into a stressed person, but to a blessed person. Let's pray. So maybe you need to take a time as God's child and repent of your total neglect, your habitual neglect of the practice of Sabbath rest.
a God-designed day off every seven days. So confess it to Him. Ask for His forgiveness because it is a command to obey and not to obey it is sin. And then commit in partnership with your spouse and family because it's important to make the decision together so that you can practice it together. Make the commitment to begin this habit to enjoy this gift to obey this command for all of its blessings. You tell him. Thank you, Lord, for hearing these prayers. It's in Christ's name that we pray. In this magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.